Hello and welcome to How We Live Online. I'm Christina. I'm Joanna. And this is season two. We are going to be talking about the future of media, the future of the internet. We're going to be doing a lot of more like speculation and um, maybe some silly speculation, maybe some ridiculous takes, but also a lot of research about what's going on now with um, the way that we're living online and our tentative title for this season, which will be obvious by the time this is actually posted, is Internet Augers? Internet Auguries? I thought we decided on auspices. Oh, auspices. Okay. Internet auspices, because we are predicting things. And we're also, uh, Joanna took Latin, so we're kind of nerds, I guess. We're just different. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and this first episode in which Joanna is the ham, which we'll explain are we going to explain what a ham is? I think, I think our- the ham is too funny not to tell people what the ham is. Anyway, so Joanna's the ham. And she's going to be walking us through this idea of streaming versus physical media, which was um, influenced by this tweet that I saw by the Twitter user, that Hagen girl. I will um, link the tweet. But anyway, in all caps with that meme of the girl at the music festival holding a guy close to her and and yelling in his ear, it says, streaming only creates the illusion of infinite choice. In fact, our access to films hasn't been this tenuous since the pre-home video era. The average blockbuster carried about three times as many films as are currently streaming on Netflix. Physical media is more important than ever. Yeah, okay. And then I kind of want to explain, do you want to explain the ham? You can try to explain it. Okay, so the ham we decided is the person who is like leading the episode. And I don't, oh, because you're going ham. Because you're going ham, but also like the comedic sense of the ham. um, Which Which you Comment below if you know what the comedic ham is, because I didn't know what that meant. Maybe because you're not a trained comedian. I guess. Joanna was uh, voted most likely to be on SNL in high school, and I campaigned to be Secret Crush and didn't win. Do you remember that? That you campaigned? Yeah, that I campaigned and still didn't win. No one campaigned. I don't really remember. It's just like you got it or you didn't. Yeah. I was like, I want to be Secret Crush. <laughs> Well, maybe this is, I actually had this thought about Secret Crush the other day, which is that, you know, the Secret Crush probably didn't even win because they were so secret. Like there's the Secret Crushes that won, but then there's like the true Secret Crushes who are so secret that there could never be like consensus on who the Secret Crushes were. Oh my God, you're right. So you could have, you could. I know, but I wasn't even that. How do you know though? You couldn't know. Because I, I made it, I I opened the door to like, you can admit that you have a crush on me. Oh, I see. But then you couldn't even be the secret crush because you made people admit it. So you would just be a crush that a lot of people have. I just wanted evidence that people had a crush on me. Mm. Comment below. (laughs) What? Comment below. You have a crush on Christina. Please, even now, if you do. 
Okay, let me know. Um, oh, okay, wait. Let's also backtrack. So Joanna's the ham, which means I'm the green bean because I'm the side. <laughs> there are like three kinds of ham. There's like ham that you eat, um, which we have a theory about. And then there's the ham that is the person going ham for the episode right now. Then there's the comedic ham. Um, and our theory about ham, the meat is that hot girls like to eat ham but only weird hot girls like to yeah eat. it's it's the type of girl who likes to eat ham yeah it's a hot girl who used ham. to be a horse girl or the hot girl who maybe like I don't know I'm just like she's hot this is <laughs> she's hot but she eats ham she's I think that like sums it up she's hot but she eats ham yeah now she eats ham she likes it yeah she chooses ham she chooses ham in the lunch line <laughs> she wants ham um okay and then joanne and i as hostesses have been friends for years and years and years like that's true this is why you should listen to us we have chemistry we have <laughs> friendship we have laughs we have a history of presentations which that's that's also true See, the, the audio medium, you know, believe it or not, listeners might not even be our strongest suit because you can't see our costumes. We're not wearing costumes right now. <laughs> but we believe it or not. Yeah. Joanna and I were supposed to do a 20-minute presentation in high school and we made it an hour. An hour. It included an original song. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. It was supposed to be about Ralph Waldo Emerson. And we decided to make it into a variety show. Yeah, it did. It was. And the thing is that we did so little actual research and we just like used the main ideas and turned them into like, okay, now you're Oprah. Right. Okay, now I rap? Yeah. Who rapped? I rapped. <laughs> <laughs> Were you also? Wait. You were Oprah. Okay. Did I have a wig? We, everyone had wigs. <laughs> there are two other people in our group who were probably pissed that they were in our group. But yeah. we got eggs. Yeah. And I bet we did all the work. So and we did. just had to show up. We gave Pearson LOLs. I'm not taking that out. We gave him <laughs> parts. Oh, we did? I think so. We were like, yeah, you do this part. Oh, who was the and other person in the group? Um, I don't remember, but I think it was a girl. In my mind, I thought it was Kevin Brewer who was in our group. What a kind of dream team. I know. Of performers. Right? Yeah. Sorry to everyone who didn't go to our high school. You'll miss so all fun. the inside <laughs> jokes. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, um, take it away. Okay. So I was going to start by substantiating the claim in the tweet, um, which, you know, I think that Netflix does, I mean, this is talking about Netflix specifically, right? And I think that, um, I mean, the same could probably be said for other streaming services, but I mostly was researching Netflix. Um, but 
Okay, so here are the stats. Justwatch.com. Justwatch.com has the stats for how many movies and TV shows are on each streaming platform today. So overall, a good place to go if you want to watch something, you can search it up on justwatch.com. Anyways, so they say that Netflix has 3,837 titles, movie titles, streaming today. Quick cue. Yes. Two cues. I can search a specific movie title there? I think so. Okay. And you can see which platforms have it. And then these are American numbers. Yes, I did. This is a okay. good caveat. I did click United States. Okay. Looking for me. Cool. Um, but you can look at, you know, any of the ones. Any place, any service, it will tell you. Okay. So we have almost 4,000 titles streaming on Netflix. And then I was trying to find how many titles would be streaming or not streaming. <laughs> how many titles did Blockbuster have? Which was kind of hard to find. Um, the lowest number I found in a Peak News article said in its heyday in the late 80s, a Blockbuster superstore would typically stock about 6,500 films. And then the highest number I found was 10,000 tapes, which was actually in a Blockbuster ad at the time. The ad was called, wow, what a difference. And that was like their tagline for like Blockbuster, what a difference from other movie stores. We have 10,000 tapes and the other stores didn't have as many. Um, That's so like okay tagline. I know. Wow, what a That's difference. Amazing. I can so, um other girls. <laughs> yeah. The ad is on YouTube. Um, so I can definitely post it. But the other numbers I found were eight thousand tapes and then seven thousand tapes. So overall, all the stats I found for a blockbuster store were higher than the number of physical movies in Netflix. Or the um, number of streaming movies, the number of titles in Netflix. I'm just getting them all mixed up. Yes. No, it's okay. So the just watch number is all titles too. Like that's movies. Okay, just movies. Okay. Yeah. And that's the other thing that the blockbuster numbers don't, I mean, they just didn't, there's nowhere online that's telling me how many TV shows they had, but I don't think it, I mean, I just don't know. Like, obviously you could rent TV shows probably. Yeah, I did. And um, video games, but I, I couldn't say, but overall it does seem to be sort of surprising like I don't know what you um would think like yeah what were your impressions of the tweet when you first read it like did you think that that seemed to pass a test like did you believe it I had no idea how many titles were on Netflix because I'm like a lot of people I don't I look for what I'm looking for yeah I don't really browse and I also think that like the way it's set up is kind of anti-browsing almost because it's like so you know the titles take up so much space like I, I kind of just want to see a list and I'm sure you're gonna get to that at some point but like <laughs> the so I was like I don't even know how many could possibly be on there and I also looked up how many are, are on there and I got a similar like 3,000 something number and 
I'm also a person who's like not good at picturing how many things can fit in a space. Like I never know how many <laughs> people are in a room. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not good at that. Um, but I was thinking about the blockbuster that I went to and DVDs are small. And so mm. on one shelf, there were probably hundreds just yeah. on one shelf. And then there are like over 20 shelves, whatever that math is. I was like, yeah, maybe this is true, but do the, does like the monetary, does that work out? You know, because like what you spend is Netflix like $12 a month now? Yeah, I think that like, that's an important question of like still access like just because blockbuster had more movies does that mean when blockbuster was more prominent you had access or the average person had access to more movies or do we have more access now you had to drive to blockbuster and pay three or five dollars like five dollars for three days for the movie and you only get one movie which like one argument about that is like that's half of what you're already that's almost half of what you're spending for the month of three thousand titles to just get one for three days but the opposite of that is like yeah but this slower consumption means that like I watched that movie every day for the three days. Like I got a lot of time out of it. And I was also actually watching the movie. Whereas yeah. I turn on Netflix and I'm not, I'm on my phone, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like quality of consumption. Yes. I can, I have a few ways that I think that, that like the implications of this new kind of streaming versus physical media access um I think it has implications on like the industry mm-hmm. of movie making filmmaking stuff the consumer and then also like the art itself of like actual movies you know um so we can talk about some of those so one thing that this kind of reminded me of is a story from December 2021 when the Black Widow movie was released and Scarlett Johansson made a big fuss and rightfully so because in her contract she had been um so she was supposed to receive 20 million upfront for the movie but then could earn more from the sale of movie tickets right this is called back end compensation i guess But then Disney, in an underhanded move, decided to stream Black Widow on the Disney Plus app the same day it was released in theaters. (gasps) Yeah, which, so in this article, I think it's in Bloomberg, they said that this boosted the company's streaming subscriptions by a lot, which is actually the metric that shareholders care about most. And yeah, so Scarlett's legal, legal team said that she was robbed of as much as $50 million because Disney made this decision, Um, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like one very backhanded (laughs) on the part of Disney. And the title of this article was something like, will people like Scarlett Johansson ever make money in this town again? Which I think is kind of a ridiculous. (laughs) 
because she made $20 million um, already. So obviously she's making money. Yeah. But that is really interesting. And I think like, you know, a lot of economic transactions are sort of hidden from us lay people. But this is one that I'm really interested in of like, how much money do people do actors make from movie streaming like a royalty I don't know or is it like you know just a sale of a movie to a streaming service or in this case it's like a Disney movie so they release it on their own platform and so they're not making money from having that movie there except in the new subscribers um yeah there's a lot of industry implications I guess along that front yeah, so because I understand that these streaming services, unless you're Disney and you do own that the IP or whatever, like mm-hmm. I figured that they like rented the licensing rights for a certain amount of time. That's why like things are on Netflix and then they leave Netflix. So yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, and then and this also reminds me of that video of I it was Brad Pitt, I'm pretty sure. Hold up. Oh no, no, no. This was Matt Damon. Okay, this was Matt Damon. Yeah. Okay. Of Matt Damon saying in an interview, essentially, like movies now have to make you have to make your money in the theater with mm-hmm. ticket sales because once it's streaming, you're essentially make not making any money anymore. Um and whereas before people would see the movie and then buy the DVD and those sales would get actors their money that, you know, they were expecting for the project. Yeah. Um, And, you know, this is a similar thing with artists too. I think they make like a third of a penny per stream on Spotify. Right. Um, You know, there isn't, and which is why Jay-Z and Taylor Swift were so pissed about this in the Mm -hmm. beginning of Spotify and yeah I mean like I don't but I also don't even know if this is a good thing for consumers because of the way that we consume now it's like more mindless yeah yeah I think that um Okay, I'll go through a few implications I have for the consumer, but then I think this is an important thing to come back to of like, you know, if like who's winning in this and obviously there are are great benefits for us having access to these like collections rather than like individual items. Like I do think Mm -hmm. there are some benefits of that, but um. I had a few thoughts on what like the big implications for the consumer are. So I have a feeling, I have a theory and this isn't the right word for it, (laughs) but I feel that there's a big race to the bottom in a bunch of, you know, app gig economy services right now. So traditionally the race to the bottom is like a labor market phrase And it kind of refers to like companies getting like the means of production going lower and lower for different companies. So like the idea of you at first you would outsource to a certain country, but then they have more rights. So it gets less, it gets more expensive 
to produce things there. And then you move to different in different countries that have less and less laws protecting workers, right? And so you're racing to the bottom to produce at the lowest cost. Um, but I'm using this phrase, I'm co-opting it for myself <laughs> because I feel like there's a sort of race to the bottom in these apps and services. Like, I think that, like, cause it just seems like they've, they sort of come out with the standard for their service and their pricing. And then it just gets worse and worse over time. So I'll give the example of Uber because I think that is one that is salient for a lot of people. So, and there have been a lot of articles about this, that like Uber was not priced in the beginning in a sustainable way, but they get people used to the idea of using their service with these artificially low prices, price, prices, prices, even though they're not actually profitable, right? right. And then over time they have to change their services and then it's just not as good of a deal anymore for consumers. So in streaming, we see this everywhere, right? There's price creep on all the platforms. They're always raising how much their service costs. Disney Plus recently got rid of the bundle option when you, you know, before mm-hmm. there was, you could bundle Disney Plus with ESPN and Hulu, and they're not doing that anymore. Um, Netflix is introducing ad supported tiers, which I think will be for a less price, but with the price creep, you know, that's probably going to end up being the same thing that you were paying for, um, you know, no ads before. Yeah. And then they also, also sorry, I was listening to something about the uh the Netflix um, move to ad supported and because of licensing agreements, this is just like interesting. Maybe you already know it, but like there's going to be content on Netflix that you can get with the ad supported tier and others that you can get with the like subscription and supported so is the ads going to be free the ad will not be free it'll be like hulu i think like i think it'll be like five dollars but because of the because of licensing rights like you sell like avod which is like ad or asod i don't know i don't wait i wrote it down let me see there's like Okay, so there's AVOD, which is ad supported or ad video on demand, and then SVOD, which is subscription video on demand, mm-hmm. so, which are just like two separate ways to like sell your licensing rights or like rent your licensing rights or whatever. So, I mean, like if you pay $5 or if you pay $12 for Netflix a month, you're not like both of those things don't even get you the same content. Like it's not like, the ad supported tier will get you the same things if, as if you pay $12 just with ads. Like right. Different stuff. Like, I think that's how Hulu is, right? Is it? Okay. Yeah. Because is Hulu like when you finally get premium, which I don't have. Yeah, me neither. Does that like include Showtime? I don't know. I feel like that's always my fucking barrier to watch something. It's like, oh, you need to upgrade and get Showtime. No, I and I so agree. And Google does not do a good job because I don't you know, now I'll go to justwatch.com. But before I would Google, like, where can I stream blank movie? And it says, oh, you can stream it on Hulu. But then I go to Hulu and it says, yeah, you need a premium subscription or you need Hulu live TV or you need Showtime. 
<laughs> yeah, or you need YouTube TV or you need blah, 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 blah. It's too confusing. And um, wait, oh, oh, I was going to say this metric, which is crazy. 41%, this has come from some website when I Googled like how many people aren't paying for their Netflix subscription. Like apparently 41% of people who watch Netflix are using someone else's account. Okay. But what does that mean? This is my question. <laughs> what does that yeah. mean? It means that there's password sharing. But what does that mean? It means that I use my boyfriend's HBO and I don't but, pay for HBO and right. I don't have an account on like his family's HBO. But you see, and they're not paying for a, a second household to have HBO, which I don't know if HBO does the household thing, but Netflix is like, you can have more users using at the same time. Cause I think they cap it at like four and then you can add more users for a dollar and 12 cents or something. Right. But okay. So to me, I have, and I've gone on rants about this before. I have a big confusion and like I, one, I am just confused over these streaming services, putting the concept of households mm. and conflating it with users Yeah, and trying to make people use their product in this way. Like, I get that they're losing money, but also, like, I think they're, like, I feel like it's just a big artificial rule that they're placing on people, which is not the way that they, like, one, it's not the way the service is designed for people to use. And two, like, I don't know. I just feel like there's many cracks in their theory or their idea of like what constitutes a household. Like, you know, the example I think of is when we were in college, like living in a house together, though we're not in the same family, like is a household related to your family unit? Like, are we supposed to buy a Netflix subscription for our house and then not use like the one that our family uses and then in a not different use house? Five separate like Netflix accounts that we have access to because <laughs> all of our parents pay for it. Yeah. It's, well, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. And then it's like, you know, the users, because like the user is not the same as a person. And then there's already a screen there. You already have a screen limit. So like, are you supposing the user is a person in your house but then you have a mobile option so you can really stream anywhere. <laughs> so like limiting it to a certain geographic zone of a house doesn't make sense either. Like, I think that they, there is no way. And I know that they have, like, I think in Brazil, Netflix rolled out cutting yeah, off okay. access to like in these household restrictions but I just don't see how it works because wait, wait, can you repeat? Maybe I actually am talking about something different. What do you, what happened in Brazil? So I'm pretty sure in Brazil, Netflix rolled out like cutting off access for all these people who they claimed were password sharing, but I don't see how the way that their service is designed, they can 
like accurately enforce that in a way that like isn't scummy <laughs> because yeah, I just don't know. There are too many ways that their service is designed for you to use by having different users, by being able to stream mobily anywhere that I don't see how they can actually understand that you're password sharing. Yeah, I think that the main problem is that like, if you're defining user, there's, if you're defining users as someone who pays for the subscription, mm -hmm. but then it's like for a TV service that broadcast television, there's one TV or cable, cable broadcast television, there's one TV in your house, your household, you know, goes around that television and watches the TV like it's a fireplace. But mm -hmm. with streaming, that is not in existence anymore. And yet they're kind of like using that community of TV, the idea of like TV as community for the household they're applying that to this streaming service that like that actually makes no sense because once it's online and I can get it on my phone and I can get it on, on my computer and my smart TV, like that dissolves this idea of the TV as like a hearth. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the TV is not a hearth anymore. And it's not even like the modern hearth. It was like the, the 1990s hearth. You know what I mean? Like it's not a place to gather anymore yeah. when they're like I think applying the gathering idea to Netflix and to just to any of these streaming services like you should have one Netflix subscription for your household so you all can watch tv together mm -hmm. that, no now that there's a possibility that like I can sit in the next room and watch what I want to watch like that is just completely dissolved and so like if they're trying to do it based on like devices, okay, well, what if I'm a person who has, I pay for my, let's say I pay for my Netflix subscription. I have a work computer, a personal computer, a work phone, a personal phone and a TV and an iPad. Let's say mm -hmm. I'm fucking insane and I have all of those things. Mm -hmm. Like, is it going to say you can't have this many devices? They're all my devices. Why can't I have this thing that is in the fucking air right. internet? And they designed it that way. Yeah. And it's, and it, yeah, and it is designed that way. And yet they're trying to apply this like hearth idea to it, which makes no sense. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not sure if the Brazil thing, if they cut it off, I didn't read that they cut it off, but I did read that they were like popping up like a, Hey, mm. you should pay for this like we yeah. know that this is your thing I was listening to I didn't read uh, I listened to a podcast about it and it's the verge cast and the the host was like oh wouldn't it be really funny if they could like tell the relationship between you and the person who's <laughs> using and they're like um it's clear this relationship ended two years ago like <laughs> you should oh my god that's someone else's joke but that's hilarious um yeah I mean you're, you're right like it it's not it doesn't, it's not intuitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I could go on, but <laughs> I, I really, I have really strong feelings about that, that you're move on Netflix. What'd you say? I said, you're the ham. I know, but you I won't because everyone. I must stop. I've, I've already talked too many people's heads off about how 
I don't believe in that. You actually were easier to convince, I feel, than most people. Most people, I don't think I've actually convinced them. They're on Netflix's side, which... Why would you be on Netflix's side? I don't know. They just really love Netflix's, I guess. They think that Netflix's won't come after them eventually. But okay, just to talk more about subscriptions, right? Because I think this is really interesting, like how many things have moved to a subscription model. I think Tesla has been one of the ones that have been in the news recently. (gasps) I don't have a Tesla. Won't ever get one. Wait, stop. Okay. I... you. Uh, Are you getting a I Tesla? Have to, I have no. I have to. Yes, I'm getting a Tesla. Congrats! Yeah, I'm getting girl. a truck. A Tesla truck? Yeah, I'm getting one. This. Oh right, Tesla was a truck, of course. No, of course I'm not getting a Tesla. But anyway, the the same podcast that talked about the Netflix thing also talked about this thing. Oh my you God! Know. You go. I'll I gotta. You. I gotta be. I gotta get in touch with them. We're on the same wavelength. Yeah. Maybe it's the Google algorithm. Pushing us into the same hole. The algorithm. Okay. The gal- <laughs> <laughs> galgalers using the algorithm. Okay, <laughs> but yeah. So Wait, new podcast. <laughs> okay, that's enough. All right. So Tesla subscription. Um, I don't know much about it except for that it exists. Right, that like Tesla is making people subscribe to some of their premium features in their car. I think this is one of the things that's like so interesting, like as subscriptions move more into like actual physical hardware that you're subscribing to, obviously that's the software still for Tesla, right? But it's for your car, but that's crazy. Like that, it's just hard to wrap the mind around, right? That you have to pay per month to access features for your car. That would Piss me the fuck off. I know, right? I paid for a Tesla, which is already like, I think right now, very hard to get because yeah. the, I was going to say blockchain. Microchip. What's it called? Microchip? I guess. Whatever the production of it is. Wait, it, no, not microchip. That's the vaccine thing. Oh, microchip, blockchain, crypto bro? Because of that. <laughs> no, because of the... the yeah, the NFT that goes in the but yeah the nft that pops up on the ipad inside your tesla yeah no what am i saying it's the tr- like the something god neither of us can think of it okay the making things and the i want to say trade market mer- merchants i think it's just the chip yeah it says microchip no i'm talking about how like it's really hard to get a tesla right now because the production is difficult because they can't, they can't make them. Isn't there a shortage of Teslas? <laughs> because of like, I the- think it's it's cars in general. Okay, yeah. Anyway, but you could it's be talking about to get a car once I finally get my fucking Tesla, and then it doesn't work all the way, and I have to pay a fee for it to work. I will be very upset. Yeah. And then what happens if you like run out of storage in your Tesla, and then your Tesla's like, please upgrade me, please upgrade me. I okay, can't can work I anymore? Can I admit that I actually did like literally last week buy Google cloud storage? You have Apple cloud storage, I, right? Yeah. It's See, a fucking stupid. It's a rack. It's so stupid because my devices can't hold the amount of stuff that iCloud can hold. Okay. So why do I even have iCloud? Oh. I have to actually, 
maybe this will be another episode. I can't even talk about it because it's so annoying. But I need to talk to some, I need to like call an Apple genius or something. But it's also frustrating because they can't recommend me good storage ideas outside of Apple. Like it's, if I call them, they're going to tell me. Mm. In the I'm internet cafe. In the internet cafe, we'll call an Apple genius. <laughs> yeah, we should. Um, yeah. Okay. But the other one that I wanted to bring up, Apple is rumored to later this year be rolling out an iPhone hardware subscription. So you would be paying monthly for your physical iPhone, like not through your cell phone carrier, like for however many months, you know, like those kind of contracts to buy a new phone. Like this is like actual a subscription service for an iPhone. But it's not a payment plan. It's not like no. you eventually stop paying. No. What what about the people who already have iPhones? Are in, like well, you I- wouldn't do it. No, 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 no. It's like, it's like for a new one. <laughs> I think. I fucking hate that. But obviously, yeah. Okay. That makes sense that they're doing that. Yeah, just for the just for the econ brains out there, um, a few facts of why um, companies like subscription models um, from a Forbes article in 2019. Uh, for many startups, they can be helpful because you know subscriptions represent guaranteed revenue instead of you know every month you made this many sales, you kind of know how many sales you're going to make next month based on how many subscribers you currently have. And then, and I think you mentioned this earlier, Christina, there's another factor at play, which is sort of the psychological effect of subscriptions and how they're connected to the idea of like the sunk cost fallacy. You know, this is like the idea of like you feel you have to use your subscription. So you'll, you know, visit the store more often, or you'll use the service more often. It's kind of like Costco, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, the Costco theorem, if you will. Um, But yeah, I, I think that's really interesting. Like, and I would spend hours thinking about like, well, for me personally, in my streaming habits, Mm -hmm. I know, and the way my family does it is like just each one of us kind of pays for a different service and then we all just all use them. Mm-hmm. So I think myself personally, like I know I pay for Hulu, but on in a given month, probably I don't actually use Hulu. Maybe someone else in my family uses it, but I feel like for me personally, like there are way more months that go by that I'm not using a streaming service than I am Mm -hmm. just based on my habits. What would you say? For me? Yeah. Um, I have access to, so I don't pay for any, um, I don't even pay dream queen. I'm a stream. I am like really blessed by the people who have given me their passwords and my parents who pay my parents paid for my Spotify like Spotify is not even expensive oh wow but they paid for it in high school and so I just they still pay for it but also it's mm-hmm. like the family Spotify they I like linked my thing to the family Spotify okay whatever. okay so um uh my parents my parents pay for they got the bundle of Hulu and that thing when it came out because my dad wanted 
my brother and my dad really wanted Disney Plus for The Mandalorian, which, yeah. Um, we already had Netflix. I use my boyfriend's HBO, but recently my parents got HBO. Mm. And I use my, I don't even use my parents' Hulu because they only bought Hulu like last year. I was using my grandma's. Hulu. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> so yeah. I use, my parents pay for my Spotify. My parents pay for my access to Netflix. I use my grandma's password for her Hulu. I use mm -hmm. my boyfriend's password for his HBO. And then my parents also have Amazon Prime. So I use the Amazon, no, I don't really watch anything on Amazon yeah. Prime video, but I literally have all of them. Wait, and can I just say another hole in this household argument is that you're saying these things and I have literally watched with you things on these things. Yeah. Or if you're not home when we used to live together, I would use your grandma's Hulu because it was what was connected <laughs> to the freaking TV. Yeah. So does that make me a password sharer? I don't know. I'm just sitting there. It does. <laughs> You it like scans my retinas and it's like your genetics That's the next thing it's yeah. like face id is this your streaming thing yeah anyway so yeah i have access to them all what do i actually use i turn on netflix to when i oh i recently actually wanted to watch something on netflix which is the love is blind after oh. thing and then i watch like some stuff on hbo um as long as I have access to other people's passwords, I'm not paying for this shit. Mm -hmm. I'm not. Because I actually don't watch TV even every week, I would say. Yeah. Um, but if I had more time, I mm -hmm. certainly would. Yeah. Actually, no, that's not true. I watch... Well, I, I, I use a, a, a live stream to watch The Bachelor. I don't even watch it on Hulu because I want to watch right. it when everyone's tweeting about it. Yeah, so, but it's a, it's a pirated live stream, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't even use my subscriptions that I don't pay for for that. Like I use a, a pirated live stream for that. Right. But um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. What I'm saying is that like, my parents, however, watch a lot of TV. My mm -hmm. mom watches everything on all of the platforms. How? I all 3,800 titles. She, I was like, how the fuck does she watch all this stuff? And then I was watching her watch the Addison Ray movie on Netflix. Wait, she's all that? Yes, I didn't or watch he's it. all that? She's all that. I watched the first like two minutes because she was like, come watch the beginning. It's so cute. And She's seen it before. <laughs> no, she watched it. I came into her, her room and she was like, I'm going to rewind. Oh. And then I watched her just like click to the middle of the movie. <laughs> and then click to two thirds. Like how people read a book. Huh? Like how some people read books. Yeah, she was just like, you know, clicking the time markers where like things are happening in the movie, obviously. Yeah. And she watched oh, it that's that funny. way. And I was Honestly, like, that is mindful consumption, I feel. She is making choices she's like, about oh, how. I want to see where thing things go. Yeah. I remember in eighth grade, I went to Suzanne Dolan's house. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but her dad was like, we're going to watch Rambo. And we went to her basement and 
I was sitting on this big chair and I was like, I don't even want to watch this like macho man movie. And I didn't have to even sit there for long because her dad had seen the movie so many times. He was like, I'm just going to rewind to the best parts. <laughs> so I, I sat and watched, me and Suzanne basically watched her dad hit play, explain why this was good, fast forward, contextualize play, contextualize play, then that was it. Wow. Like an original like movie reviewer. Yeah. I was like, okay. Cool. Wow. I love that. And that's all I needed from Rambo. For me, for <laughs> me, that's all I needed. Now I know what Rambo is. Very true. Um, um, yeah. So the other thing I, I thought was, this is getting into more of the speculations. Yeah, you know? let's go. Let's go. So I think like this, and we're sort of already talking about it, of like the different ways we consume this media like I sort of have a theory that like the more the greater access we have to these things is giving them less and less value like and especially like the binge culture like it's just so crazy to me like that's something that was spent like so much money and time is spent on writing producing and like putting together these things and you can just consume it all in a second. Like, I think it's like, for me, like just the, the disconnect mentally between that whole process and then the pace at which I can consume something now is, is sort of mind boggling. And I feel like it, there's just this interesting way that like the perceived value of this stuff, I think is a lot lower for people yeah I agree it's not special anymore yeah and then I think that is like I couldn't really find anything on which off also like digital piracy is obviously increasing <laughs> because one like um, there was I don't know I guess because like digital piracy is like a relatively new thing you know since like we didn't always have access to these technologies and I think it's one of those things that like, you know, the pirates are always ahead. They're always using the new thing to like, they're always one step ahead of whoever's trying to keep them from pirating things. Pirates. Yeah, the pirates are. <laughs> so the Chamber of Commerce estimated that $29.2 billion is lost to piracy each year, which I think is kind of crazy. And I listened to this interesting talk um, by some research librarians at Portland State University about the habits of Gen Z and millennials and their media consumption. This was more specifically talking about ebooks and audiobooks, mm -hmm. but you know, other media too. Um, and the rates of piracy among these populations they surveyed was actually crazy. Like it was over 50% of Gen Z and millennials who were engaged I either like primarily as pirates, like selling pirated materials or for sure like consuming them, um, which I think is just really interesting. And like also goes back to, you know, the Matt Damon clip about like in this new 
world? Like how are these, like, how are these important, you know, non-blockbuster movies and more indie movies and TV shows, how are they supposed to get funded? How are they supposed to be produced in a world where all this is incentivized, you know? Yeah, there's no way. I don't know what I'm even saying. It's crazy, basically. So are they including piracy as like using someone else's password? I don't think so. I think piracy is literally like, you know, well, they might define it differently in these different articles or studies. Mm -hmm. But like, so in this one article that had the Chamber of Commerce citation in it, they were talking about how actually, um, and that was for movies, you know, Mm -hmm. they were talking about how the Spotify digital podcasts are the newest way people are pirating things because they'll you know, have their digital podcast be like the Minions movie or something like that. Um, And I don't know if you've ever like, when you're scrolling through TikTok, you know, people are, they're live streaming different movies. Like, I think that's probably the one of the most common ways piracy is happening right now. But also like on Amazon, for example, tons of pirated materials are being sold but Amazon is such a terrible regulator of products. Like they can't, they're not doing anything about it. Mm -hmm. So there's a few different ways that like actual piracy is happening Mm -hmm. in addition to, you know, the idea of passwords and stuff like, cause I guess that is sort of also you not paying for things, but yeah. Yeah, there's probably so much on Twitch. Yeah, true. Yeah, and this idea of like, there's too much, like the rate at which I can consume is so much higher than the rate at which anyone can create anything. I talked about in the episode about, uh, last season about, um, oh my gosh, uh, Lil Michaela and like influencers or CGI influencers, like, what's going to happen? Like if influencers and actual people became fake characters because we can't consume because we can't create at the rate at which we can consume, like, Oh yeah. What's your, what's your speculative take about like where streaming is going? Like what's going to happen? Oh yeah. Um, I, I mean, okay. So this is sort of, what I think. And I still, I feel like it's a big hole in this idea of production. Like, I don't know how we'll get there from a production side. But one thing that I was researching was um, the consumption habits of Gen Z, like in consumer expenditure surveys and like consumer behavior surveys. Um So they come up with these like consumer profiles for the different generations. And one thing that I thought was really interesting that was said about Gen Z, they (laughs) used the phrase communaholic. So they said Gen Z, and this is a, um, this survey was done by McKinsey. So Gen Z is digital communaholic and also ethical communaholic. Like. Wait, consumaholic? No. 
communaholic, like community. Uh, Aholics for communities, <laughs> lovers of community, communaholic and ethical. Um, so they still, and they really like, you know, they're raised in this idea of the gig economy mm-hmm. where you don't necessarily own or possess things, but you still have access, which I think is like really this interesting access that we're sort of walking right now with the streaming services that like, this is something that we don't necessarily own or possess, but we can access. And yet I think it's still not totally aligned with these behaviors of Gen Z as consumers and that it's not completely ethical. It doesn't really have this community feel to it. Um, So I sort of feel like, you know, maybe the consumer behavior of Gen Z could drive these services towards more of like the digital subscription model being offloaded to like a community resource such as a library, right? So already some libraries do offer some streaming services. So there's Canopy, um, which is, I guess, sort of like a more educational streaming service um, that a lot of libraries license. You can also have other kinds of digital subscriptions through libraries like the New York Times, Washington Post, a lot of libraries license those. Um, I also found a few libraries that did offer Netflix, um, which I think is interesting. And also this is fundamentally against the idea of the Netflix family Mm -hmm. or the Netflix users, household account, whatever. Mm -hmm. But obviously I don't know, like a lot of these serve, like these, these digital subscriptions, you know, we pay for the individual access but they also offer like an enterprise solution for institutions like this. Um, so obviously they can make money off of it. Wait, and it, what do you mean by that? I don't know what that means. Okay. So enterprise solution. So like, for example, the New York times, you and I would pay for an individual subscription, right? but Arlington County might say, I'm going to pay for the enterprise subscription so I can give all of my, um, the people who have an Arlington County library card, you know, then can access this service. So that's like, I think that's what a lot of different companies call it is like an enterprise type of subscription. Um, so I feel like for most people, this would reduce the sunk cost because you're still obviously paying for the service, whether it be through your taxes or if it's through your college, you know, you're paying tuition, mm-hmm. but you're probably getting a better deal because of the higher volume, um, you know, like in an enterprise type of subscription, it's, it's like Costco again, you know, <laughs> since it's more people, each individual person is paying a smaller cost, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and also libraries still have physical movies, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So you could still access those things too. Um, but yeah, I kind of, in my mind, I connected that with the behavior I saw in the Gen Z consumer surveys that maybe, you know, things like that will become increasingly more popular. 
Um, and then another thing that I'm curious about is Redbox. Like they're still everywhere. <laughs> Are they, do they work? I think they work. I mean, I don't know, but I, they're everywhere. I never used Redbox in my life. I maybe have used it once, uh-huh. but how are they still in business? I want to know about that. I don't know. So are you saying, so the consumer like behavior of Gen Z is that they pirate a lot. Basically. Yes. And is that the main thing that made you think like people are just going to want to, you know, have community resources for this thing? Cause like, well, they so in the consumer research uh-huh. on Gen Z, mm-hmm. this is they say that Gen Z is interested in digital products. They're a community-based generation, and they're also interested in consumption anchored on ethics, which is antithetical to the idea that they're pirates. But again, I don't know if it's different preferences balancing out so that okay. <laughs> pirating is the most important thing. But um, yeah, so that's based on the consumer research of Gen Z. Right. Okay. So not to be a cranky person, but Mm -hmm. if Gen Z is saying that they prefer ethical consumption and yet what they're doing, like in a survey, they're answering, like, I prefer ethical consumption, but then like the action of what they're doing is pirating. Um. I feel like there is a possible, like what I would love if, Mm -hmm. you know, I could access a community resource that gave me all of these things. And I think that like government subsidizing entertainment and art is, would be wonderful. And I see that, like, I, that I would love that. I'm so like, I, but if like we can pirate forever, don't you think people will pirate forever? Okay. Here's what I think. Probably some people will. Yeah. But also I think the pirating behavior can be driven by the lack of options for ethical consumption. Yeah. Like if, and you, maybe you don't know that there's other, you know, that canopy exists and that you could watch the movie on canopy if you can, which maybe you can't watch the movie you want to watch so the next best option for you is to pirate it um yeah and also like it's probably I mean it's probably like a money thing like yeah I'll pirate this thing because it's free even though it's not necessarily ethical to all the people who made the movie but I would rather pirate this movie than like pay Amazon ten dollars or twenty dollars to own it yeah you know and so yeah, maybe like the community resources being free would, right. would want to use them. Yeah. I would also say like for other things, like I don't have the statistics on who spends money on Patreon, right? <laughs> but it could be the case that although they are also pirating a lot, you know, this generation and younger people are also crowdfunding more than anyone else. And I think you know, that might, that I feel like that might be true. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also the phenomena of um, like, I think the idea that it, it doesn't necessarily need to be through a government 
resource either. Like, what are those things called? Um, like the, you know, the, the thing in Richmond <laughs> that is like the building, the clubhouse building that you can like pay a subscription fee. Oh, the social club. Yeah. The social club. Mm-hmm. Like why are those a thing? I think it's all part of this like market of these upcoming people who are interested in these types of consuming behaviors. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine a service like Netflix being attached to something like that. You know, you pay for your social club <laughs> subscription, which I guess is also a subscription, right? Yeah. But the su- it's you're paying for it with the community. So the community is absorbing the sunk cost, or maybe your mom is also in the social house. Mm-hmm. So she's watching Netflix enough for everybody <laughs> in the right. whole organization. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think this social aspect is really interesting that Netflix hasn't invested in that totally. Like even when you scroll and you see like the different things, there's nothing like, oh, what your friends are watching, you know, or what people in your neighborhood are watching. Mm-hmm. Like, and I there's, think- everyone fucking does that. Like there is a way to do it. Spotify yeah. does it. TikTok essentially does it without telling you that other people are watching it. They just show it to you. Right. Yeah. Hmm. That would be a good idea. I think the barrier for the community stuff is like actually attending things in person. Mm. And like, I, I am Gen Z. We are Gen Z cusp, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I would say that like, I in this time have realized that like, physical community is extremely important. Mm-hmm. I also have students who are like 18 and spent very formative high school years sequestered in their homes, trying to learn online. And now they're in college and they have a really hard time making conversation with each other in class. Just like, whatever. I, I had to like really spend a lot of time creating a space where like we are friends ish, or like, at least we are a class of people a classroom of people who um, are nice to each other and we talk mm-hmm. and we interact and we ask each other about our days. Like I, I really had to like spend time doing that because the past two courses that I taught, I didn't do that. And it was uncomfortable. People were like strange in discussion-based classes. And like, so there, because I think because we're like cusp. And we experienced Mm -hmm. a time in which we did have in-person community and then we were taken from it and we're like, oh my God, this fucking sucks. There are so many people who like didn't have enough time in physical spaces to understand what an exciting thing it is to be back. What they know, what they feel and they're now back is just, this is a new space and I'm so scared. I'm Mm -hmm. so anxious. There's someone who's, there are people who get jobs in person and decide that like, it's too hard. I'm too anxious. Like, I don't want to work this job in which I'm in the public. Like it's, it's scary. And Mm -hmm. so my wish and my hope is for this in-person community because it is so important. My fear is that because people are so scared of it, because younger people are so scared of it because it's like 
a very jarring return to normal that isn't even normal. Like it, it might make people want even more to stay inside, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think like, but that's just me being dark. No, I think it is true that like, even because even my argument and my hypothesis, the only way it works is based off of this consumer profile, you know, a business driven that like, this is how Gen Z consumes. Yeah. Right. It's not, I mean, we can imagine that this would be make consumers better off, but Mm -hmm. that in itself. And like the idea that humans are happier in, in in-person experiences, it is sad that things like that will never (laughs) actually drive an outcome, right? They all have to be like, driven by a business incentive yeah yeah and what would the I don't know I don't know I feel like we as a society just need to find ways to like kick and scream our way out of that you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. And as I talked about so much on the last season, like there are so many forces working Mm -hmm. against us for that. Mm -hmm. And I am so cynical about it. Like I'm, I'm so scared that what's not going to, we're not going to, you know, join social clubs and country clubs, which are also for rich people, but would be really cool if they were (laughs) for rich people. Anyway, um, we're not going to do that. We're going to go the fucking metaverse and watch the, virtual Ariana Grande concert together Mm -hmm. in heavy quotations together you know what I mean but yeah maybe maybe it's that maybe the maybe meta will buy an enterprise Netflix subscription and everyone can go just go to them I don't know I don't know what's gonna happen I think you're right I mean, like Tesla's obviously doing the subscription thing. If Apple does it, people are going to pay for it. But then like the phone almost makes mo- makes more sense to me than the fucking car. Mm-hmm. Like your car isn't going to work all the way unless you but have you- a subscription. Yeah. I mean, I've had my phone for like six years. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine if I was paying if I still didn't own it, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. You should get, if you're getting a new phone, you should get it now before they do that fucking thing. I'm not getting a new phone. Okay. Well, you can't have my old phone because it it died as soon as I charged it all the way. So. Oh my God, you're kidding. What am I supposed to do? I don't know. Um, this was really interesting. I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen to streaming. I think that we're just going to be paying more and more for less and less, I guess. Yeah. No, at least in the near future. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually, well, I mean, I am seeing a lot of, and maybe it's because of my corner of the internet that is like MFA, academia, like library. Like I have an interest in that. And so the internet feeds me that stuff, but like, Mm -hmm. I'm seeing a lot of stuff about using your library 
I think people should. I think maybe the thesis of this whole season is going to be use your library, you fool. LOL. <laughs> um, join us in library science school. I wish Love like it. when you were a librarian, you had like a little thing in the front of your name, like doctor. You know, what I mean? um, well, I could put one there just for fun. You'll yeah. be Joanna Schroeder, like a, MS. Um, Wait, Master of Science. It's, yeah, I'm getting an, a Master of Science. Okay. But I can say, you know, I could change my first name to library. Or doctor. <laughs> doctor, library. <laughs> first name doctor, last name library. Doctor, library. Well, yeah. thank you for being the ham. You're welcome. Um. Yeah. I, after you said that thing about the social club, I have now been just like imagining myself on a rooftop with like a really nice glass of wine. I know it is. My friends. Yeah. Like, yeah. That would be <laughs> fucking awesome. It is like definitely, like you said, like it's adjacent to the country club. But also, like, you know, if you're, um, like, if you have the library subscriptions and then you have, like, if there, there could be different tiers of options for different things of access, I feel like. Um, yeah, but, and, and then, then we're basically just saying a, we could, should have, we should get rid of all of our digital subscriptions and then just pay for it in person. Do you, are you subscribed to? I guess you you, you are a you you're a member but I think that there's something different about the model of a community of community access versus individual access yeah but yeah it's more fun for sure yeah it it, I, it you get more out of it yes you absolutely get more out of it yeah right I mean but still like those kinds of things like even your pool mm -hmm. you know people belong to a pool yeah um, I feel like that kind of stuff is more normalized and it is the same thing that probably more people, different people get more or less out of being a member of their pool, you know, depending on how much you go. Or... Yeah. And the freaking country club where we're from in Arlington, Washington Gulf, you, I'm pretty sure you have to spend $5,000 there a month to keep your your membership I can't even I can't even wrap my mind around that five thousand dollars is such an insane number that I'm like maybe I'm wrong but also I believe it I have no idea what is there to spend money on there golf and going golfing going to the restaurant drinking what do they do if you didn't spend your five thousand dollars do they just bill you the difference that'd be crazy maybe I don't know because I had one friend who belonged to that country club and he never took me. Hmm. Are we, Kevin are we Sam still at Kevin Salmon? I'm pretty sure he belonged to it. Yeah. I would just also say, um, not on the record. This is off the record. Um, like, can you not spend money on like, I don't know, scholarships for kids? <laughs> 
like that's a small fortune. If it's $5,000 a year, that's $60,000. No. I mean, $5,000 a month. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to be like, no, Joanne, it's not $5,000 yeah. a year. Yeah. Um, why not keep that in the episode? <laughs> because I'm just, um, yeah, fine. No, I can. <laughs> I'm a closet philanthropist. Don't tell people. <laughs> You're like, this is bad, but what if we gave that money to the less fortunate? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, don't tell anyone. That's what I think. I want to be invited to WGCC. Yeah. I'm going to keep it in because it's funny. Okay. Um, This is to say, everyone listening, Joanna and I actually did go to Washington Gulf together once for a Sweet Sixteen. And that's how you pay $5,000 a month. So I did, I actually have reaped the benefits of WGCC. I will, um, I will. You're a password sharer. I'm a password sharer. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. This has been so amazing. The Galgorithms. (laughs) We will be back next Monday with a less researched more chatty episode in which we're going to talk about internet news it's gonna and be christina cool. calls an apple genius yeah maybe i will prank calling an apple genius <laughs> you'll just have to tune in to find out just have to tune in to find out on our internet cafe episode next monday okay bye bye